Welcome team to what I believe is now the eighth episode of Celebrating the Champs and today we are talking about my beloved Storm from the 2017 season. Now just to start off, we touched on the Storm in 2012 so this might be a bit shorter. I'll see how I go. Obviously they're my team so it would be <laughs> easy for me to go on a big ramble about them but I'll try to keep it short and simple. Um, yeah, so... Fingers crossed we can aim for that. But, yeah, so where do we start? Where do we start, Storm? Well, like we said in the previous ones, it started with Craig Bellamy back in 2003. You know, he has just been incredible. The development he has done to this club, the way he's brought through players, you know, obviously we can talk about the Smiths, Crompton, Slater, who we'll get to later. But that's where it started, 2003. And we've talked about the tough years in 2010s. We talked about the redemption story in 2012. But five-year stint it took. It was a five-year stint till they got another grand final. So let's look more at 2016 where they lost. Well, let's look at the positives with this loss. They lost without... They made a grand final without one of their big three. They had a guy in Cameron Munster who ended up switching positions in 2017 at their fullback. They had rookies in their side this year. I think Vunavalu made his debut in 2016. They still, they had a great season. They finished minor premiers. They're still a classy side. Um, they ultimately were probably the favourites heading to the grand, grand final, like we've touched on, but there was still little errors in their game. They got in the big dance. We talked about it earlier in the previous podcast. Please check that out to find more information, but the, the Sharks had a game plan and they targeted Cronk and they targeted Smith. And we're going to go on now on why this 2017 team is so great and why it is unanimously their best ever side. They've obviously had some great teams. They've had two premiership winning teams um, without the asterisks. But even what's considered those teams that they won, that won in 2007-2009. Obviously, they had more talent, yes, because they were over the cap. They had lots of Inglises and Falaus and that. But this team is by far the greatest side of the Melbourne Storm era. And honestly, I didn't watch the Broncos, those Broncos teams with the lots of Lockyers and, you know, the Alfie Langers and all sorts. And I didn't watch the Raiders with the Melbourne Ningers, Ricky Stewart's. Those are the two other teams that get brought up as the best, best rugby league teams club side but Melbourne Storm you really have to put in that conversation and they were so dominant in 2017 but what made them so dominant why was this Melbourne Storm team so dominant Smith Cronk Slade have always been there it's not like they haven't been in the past and like we said there's no English there's no Israel Folau there's a lot of other red players there but why this team well let's just talk about quickly a lot of things that have been floating around this has been floating around a lot in the media lately this built versus brought topic i want to talk about now melbourne storm have only brought one marquee signing since 2006 now what do they mean by that it's one guy that has played representative footy before debuting for the storm and that was michael croker who's not even like yes he was a good player but you know he's not a superstar is he so it just shows how good they are at developing talent. They either pick them out early, they don't buy superstars, they make them. 
and 2017 was the pick of the crop. I think you had teams that obviously that succeeded in the past in the Storm. You know, as we talked about, they've won premierships before, they've won minor premierships before. But I think 2017 was the pick of the bunch in terms of those guys that they they built are potential superstars in their positions. And we'll get to the lineup shortly. I put up a um a Clarky. So Clarky put up a post showing the players they had brought and the players they had built. And I took the time just to make lineups, and I, I captioned, so I did it, and I won't go through the lineups, but I said, who do you think will win and how much will Built win by? Because the, the players that had come through the system or the players that had debuted for the Melbourne Storm team, I thought there was a significant difference between their lineups. Um, there was a significant advantage to the ones they had built and the ones that they had brought. They just buy those guys that kind of can fit a role. They know that, you know, they're not expecting too much. But the the guys that end up being the ones that make representative footy, a lot of the times is the one that they have, you know, they've manufactured them. And that was, the yeah, like we said, it was the prime example in 2017. Now, how did their regular season go? Let's just quickly go through it. They only lost four games. Dominant season. Dominant. From all the time I've watched rugby league, I think they were the most clear favourites before a final series. Now, that's just off the top of my head, but I don't think there was... I've never been so confident about one team being the clear favourite. And I'm not just saying that because of Storm fan. If you guys remember that season, they were very dominant. Where they lost, they lost against Cronulla Sharks team. You know, like we said before in previous podcasts, they are their bogey team. They lost against the Gold Coast Titans, which was a huge upset that was played at Suncorp. That was a last-minute try that Conrad, Conrad Harrell. The other loss was a golden point point loss, which I believe was during State of Origin time. And they were still able to, you know, golden point. Obviously, they don't have the likes of Smiths, the Cronks, the Slaters. They were still able to make that a tight game. And I think they lost the Parramatta Eels. Not too sure if that was, I believe that was Origin, because I'm just looking at who kicked their one goal, and it was um, Joe Stimson. So obviously, very dominant run. And a lot of these games, there's some big score lines. I'm seeing a South Sydney Rabbitohs side go down 64-6. to six. So yeah, absolutely incredible. And what they were able to do is they weren't damaged by the Origin season like they have been. Obviously, yes, I just said they did experience two losses, but even... It, they can be affected after that. So because your players are injured, they're carrying little niggles here and there. They were able to recover very well. And I think it's because, like we said, this was the pick of the litter in terms of this was the best storm side in terms of the guys they built. This is the these are the guys that had the biggest superstar potential. And yeah. We'll just get to the finals quickly. It wasn't a convincing two get games though against Parramatta and Brisbane. Parramatta were very good. There's a, there is, you know, a couple couple rolls of the dice in this game. The Parramatta Eels could have won this game. They were very clinical. They had a very good game. And sadly, they couldn't back it up the week after against the Cowboys. And the Broncos, we made a lot of errors. Probably the probably the biggest knockback on the storm is there was a few games where we made errors. We let we let teams have a sniff. There was games where we were clearly a better team, but just getting carried away, just getting maybe a little bit excited. We made errors, but we still won 30 to nil. 
that just displays how good the Storm were. Even I remember watching this game and explaining to someone, like, oh, you guys dominated. I was like, no, we didn't. We played really bad. And I remember they were laughing at me. They didn't watch the game. I'm like, you didn't watch the game. We were clunky. We made huge errors. I won't um, call them out. <laughs> they won't be listening anyway. But anyhow, they they, they still scored some great tries. But, man, they made a lot of errors. And um, we versed the Cowboys in the grand final. Obviously, we were huge, huge favorites. But the Queensland were, North Queensland Cowboys were definitely riding that Cinderella story. They were just, you know, obviously Michael Morgan had won the great final series runs. And you got Jason Tamalola who won the Delhi in the year before and was just, God, yeah, he's just a freak. So even though we're all huge favorites, still. There was a side of me that was a little bit, you know, you still, I was confident, but you're never too confident when you've got the form player of the competition, Michael Morgan, and the most devastating forward, and Jason Tamalo. And it's not just that. They've been there before in 2015. They had the coaching behind them. They had good players around their lineup. They had origin players. And like we said, they know how to win. But... We got the yeah, we got the chockies at the end of the day. We had our big players stepped up like you know they would, but obviously the role players stepped up too. But like I said, this is probably a great example of why this was our best lineup. We had guys that could make score eighty meter tries. Josh Adakar, unbelievable. He's just a freak and heaps of players that could just make big plays. We didn't have to rely heavily as much rely on heavily as much as our big three ever had in the past, but those big three had a big year, and we'll get to them now. Um, just before the ladder, we finished comfortably first. We are three wins above the Roosters. That would have been an interesting match against the Roosters. I do think we would have won, obviously, but they were still a classy side. They were very much similar to the side that we'll, we'll end up talking about in 2018. In the next episode, we'll be talking about 2018 and 19 as a joint um, pod because I think it'll be interesting to dissect them as back-to-back. So that will come out today too. They were still a classy side, but obviously the big change was Kronk going there in 2018, which I think we'll touch on more why that was needed for them. But yeah, they were the best. They scored the most points. Um, the Broncos scored a lot of points that year too, but there was still a reasonable advantage. And they conceded the least amount of points by almost 100. You know, they had 336 against them. And the... I think the next best was the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks, only conceded 407. So, yeah, it's still reasonable. Their points differential, 297, 164, the Broncos was the next best. That just shows you how dominant they were. So, yeah, we get into the lineup, shall we? Um, and, yeah, more in the final, that was just convincing, and their big players took over. So, let's get the lineup. So, guys, just bringing it up now. Um, let's talk about Billy Slater. Why not? My favorite player. This is a very easy talk for me. Nah, but honestly, he, what a year this was. This is my favorite year of Billy Slater's career. Even I had doubted if he should return. Obviously, he dealt with a lot of injuries, um, a lot of ones where, you know, he achieved so much in the game. You know, why are you fighting so hard to get back when you're one premierships, you're one Clive Churchill's, Dally Ends, World Cups, you name it? Why would you do that to yourself? Because that's why he's so good. You know, there was no legitimate reason for him to come back, but it's just that tasteful success, that taste of victory, proving others wrong, proving, well, not proving yourself wrong, but, you know, kind of re- 
just being able to get yourself up for the occasion because you want to do it, you love and breathe it. That's what makes you so great. He was come back such an all-round player. Yes, he wasn't athletically at his peak, but man, he was just so smart, so instinctive. Um, he didn't have to be, you know, that that guy that was able to score individual freakish tries because obviously they had they had more players like that this year. He just was so calm. It was probably his best year in terms of linebacker assists and try assists. When he came back with 23rd um, in round three, I had a good feeling. He looked rusty, but man, he looked like a, um energy bunny. Eh? He was just all over the show, and you just see how valuable he was to them. This team was very young, and the likes of Billy Slater was why these young, young, this young team still succeeded. Or I shouldn't say young, because probably the average age probably is rounded out by the likes of him, Smith, and Cronk. But there's a lot of young players. This could have gone really bad. This is why it wasn't too obvious that this side was going to be great, because no one knew how good Billy was. But I think he was probably the deciding factor of why this team should be considered definitely the best team of the decade and arguably the best team of the NRL era, because Billy was able to return. There is a really reasonable world with this trial, this Billy Sater coming back. He didn't come back himself, and it didn't work out. Might have even ended up him just dropping out of sight and months of having to go back to forward because of Slater, not a physical pick. But we should not have doubted the best forward to ever play this game. He was tremendous. Suli Asavinavalu and Josh Alakar, great try scoring years. Both scored 23 tries. You know, um, just, just freaks of nature, like we said. Arguably the two best finishers that we've seen in the last so-and-so years. Um, it's sad that they'll be finishing their um, journey together this year at the Storm as Vunavala began to rugby and Adokar will be going to Sydney. But, man, freaks of talents. Obviously, there's try-scoring threat, but they're able to finish tries. They're able to create tries for themselves, and I think they're probably underrated in other areas too. They've improved as they've got on, but this year, you know, they would do just ask to, to score tries because they were so solid. The team was so solid in all those other areas. And when you got guys inside them like Will Chambers, I think he was probably the best centre that year. He, you know, Will Chambers does do my head in. He's good for a good ear and good for a good boneheaded play. But he was a good steady, steady, don't know if steady is the right word, but he was a good partner to have inside uh, Runavalu, who was only in his second season of first grade. Curtis Scott was a good, good player. Had a great season this year as well. Kind of earned his way into the starting lineup. There could have been a way that Curtis Scott wasn't there. And I think Chase Blair, Chase Blair did suffer an ACL actually. So I think Chase Blair had the spot. Curtis, Curtis Scott found the opening and was very solid. And there was good reasons why at the end of this, he was favoured to get a Blues jumper the season after. He's got a lot of talent and obviously he had an interesting year this year. But I wouldn't be surprised if you're talking about Curtis Scott as a most improved player. He showed this year that he can, in the 2017 year, that he's got great talent and knows how to play winning rugby league. Cameron Munster, like we said, was playing fullback in 2016. He's a freakish talent. He obviously is very versatile. But 20, I think his best position is, in my eyes, 5'8". And he's shown that he's not a natural playmaker, not a natural organiser, but he's a playmaker in the sense that he makes plays due to his running game. He's unconventional, and he just knows what his game is. Obviously, he's he's been able to develop that better as time's gone on. But in this year, when he had Cooper Conk next to him, even though there was a little bit of fine-tuning in his game, 
he was out because he had confidence to him. It didn't matter. He was able to provide the X factor in games, and that's what he was able to do. Made his Origin debut that year, I believe, or might have been the year. No, it was that year, and was one of the best Origin debuts I can remember. Cooper Cronk. What can we say about Cooper Cronk? Another great year. Great organizer. Just he just knew how to pile the pressure on with his kicking game. He knew his strengths, his weaknesses. He wasn't the greatest run the footy, but you know, he's one of those things that you know what Cooper Cronk's gonna do. He's very methodical, but he's able to do it. Jesse Bromwich just proved why he's one of the best props of this era. Great player. John McLean, another guy that has come through the storm ranks and actually left the Cowboys the year after. But another guy that without the Mountain Storm. I don't know if he would be an Australia player. And I'm nothing against him, but since he's been in the Cowboys, I don't know if disappointing is the right word, but it looked like he was going to be certain for Blues jumper the year after. Obviously, he's dealt with injuries too, and he's got contention with the Blues jumper. So it's not all on him, but he hasn't quite hit the height since leaving. Then. And that's probably just because of a few things, but a lot of it probably has to do with his success at the Storm being down to the systems in place. And Cameron Smith, this was his best year I've watched him play. I didn't watch him in 2006 where he won his first Dally M, but he was so in control. When you're able to win the Dally M in a team that's so star-studded, it shows so much. It actually always surprises me how many times the Melbourne Storm players have won Dally M. So we've had five separate occasions where Slater's won it, Cronk's won it twice, and Smith's won it twice. Which I think, yeah, they're probably the five best players of this era. But the way the Dallium system works is obviously you got players. It's a three-two-one system, so you, you guys know this, rugby league fans. But you always got players from your own team contending, stealing points off you. That's why Nathan Cleary struggled to win this year, and why he didn't win, I believe, is because we had such a good team. Players were standing out each week that they'll picking points away from him. So to be able to do that, at you know at an age where you think a lot of people wouldn't be playing their best footy. He's at the peak, arguably the peak of a GOAT career. And then Felice Cafusi, think made his origin debut this year. The year before, he was actually named an origin squad and no one actually knew who the heck he was. And they showed why there was such high reps on him. He just ran a good line, kind of similar to the Ryan Hoffman, Hoffman um, round where he was able to do such the good fundamental things, the simple second row of things, be able to run a line, you know, make the offload, make your tackles, but at that elite level. And Tohu House, he was just a guy that he can play in many positions too, but at the Storm he was asked to do a role and he was able to provide some great playmaking um, variations as well too. He's shown it in boys how valuable he is, being the second row of the year in a team that didn't even make the eight. He's a great player and had a great grand final too, one of the standouts in the grand final for me. And for Nukem, wasn't it, you know, he obviously debuted in Origin 2019, but even here, you can see how valuable he was. He's one of my favorite players of all all time. I'm gonna say that he's one of my favorite players of all time, and I say that a lot about those lots. I loved, I love the Dallas Johnson molds, and obviously Ryan Hinchcliffe was more of a utility player, but similar to that, they just they're gonna make your tackles. You've got this role where you're gonna you're gonna take the hard yards. You're just gonna do the nitty gritty stuff, and Dale Finucane was all about that. Kenny Bromwich has really developed over 2018, uh, 2019, 2020. He wasn't such a key part of this team, but he still did his role well. He was still playing representative football here. He was, and we've seen now how much 
more strings he has to his bow, but he's just asked to do a certain job, and it was just to come on as an interchange. He played prop, he played second row. He was, you could tell he had a lot of skill in him, um, but yeah, filled in his role beautifully. Tim Glasby, he is probably the epitome of Melbourne Storm creating Origin players. Even when he got picked for Origin, I was surprised, but I bet you when Kevy picked him, he thought, this guy just knows how to win. We just need a no-nonsense player. We need a guy that has been in winning system, and because he has been in this Melbourne Storm system and proven that he knows what is expected from him, I believe he can do that at a, new, at a Queensland level. And that's what he did. And when he made his debut, I was like, oh, God, I don't know if he's going to be here for long. He's in the mix every year. I don't think he's going to get there this year, but he's improved since then. Yeah, just one of those... <laughs> one of those you know, one was shocked when he his debut got announced. I was quite shocked, to be honest. And but I think it was a very good selection in the end, paid dividends. And now since off as Solomona, absolute giant. Obviously, not at the peak of his powers in, but just another guy that provides impact off the bench. I always look at Nelson Soft as Solomona as a potential Clive Churchill medalist when I see the Storm in the grand finals because I think he can be the difference maker. He can win your games and yes, he can lose your games because he's good for an era trying to push out that push out that offload as well. And Slade Griffin, oh, I've got a soft spot for Slade Griffin. Obviously, you know, a lot of you guys are Grey Mouth audience, but he is a Grey Mouth boy. I haven't met Slade Griffin personally. I would love to one day. I'd hopefully something in the works where I bump into him or I talk to him about footy. That'd be awesome. But Oh, he's had so many ACL injuries, and for him to get this moment was just awesome. He obviously similar to the Ryan Hinchcliffe mould as well, and Brandon Smith plays. He can fill in at nine. He can fill at 13. Obviously, um, did his time as the understudy of Cameron Smith, and he showed how good he was the year after. When he went in the Knights, he had his opportunity to go at nine, and what happened? He played for the Kiwis. Sadly, the week after, he suffered another ACL injury that ended his career, which was really disappointing to see. But, yeah, oh, yeah, it was guttering, you know, going from the biggest high, the highest highs to the last of lows. Yeah, so, once, yeah, it is a sad story. Every time I talk about it, it just, yeah, makes me shake my head. And Craig Bellamy, what more can you say about him, you know? There's ability to pick up the tears off the floor from the year before and to compete continue to provide talent. A lot of these guys leave the year after, you know, the likes of the Harrises and all sorts, and they're still, and Cronks, as we know, and we can talk about it later in the next pod, but they still were able to make it. He's just been able to bring in talent and make it work, you know, bring in talent, build his own talent, whatever's needed, he'll do it. And, yeah, that's it, guys. Um, arguably the best side, well, for me, easily the best team of teams we talked about you can argue the roosters uh in that realm as well it's definitely out of them or the roosters um but yeah a great team and you know obviously why have they kept six we'll talk about why they uh, have kept succeeding craig bellamy and we'll just leave that there <laughs> craig bellamy and the melbourne storm system <laughs> just yeah it's just brilliant to watch it's going to be interesting and we'll just touch on the storm a bit now because we won't really touch and I doubt we'll touch in, on them in the next pod. But the thing is, when Craig Bellamy leaves, I think 
obviously there's a good chance Smith plays his last game today. I think we we will see a drop off, but I think the biggest, the more significant drop off where we think, okay, are these guys not just going to drop out of title contention, but are they going to even be fighting for eight spot? Now, I'd I put my money on no. They still be they still will be fighting for eight spot, I should say. But with Bellamy leaving, honestly, yeah, you don't know. You don't know how much effect. Obviously, he's got great assistance and what he's left the legacy there. He's left assistance in place. But I think he's going to be the big, biggest loss. Obviously, they've been able to, um, you know, do do well without Cronk, without Slater. But it'll be the big thing will be when Smith leaves, obviously. But the even bigger impact will be when um, Bellamy leaves. Now, why I'm saying this, I'm just there is a potential he will stay in the Melbourne Storm system as a coaching director, I believe. It was rumoured he'd go to the Broncos, but I think yesterday I saw reports that potentially he will be doing that role, um, that coaching coaching director role, role at the Storm. So if that happens, hey, he's still there. So that that's a big win for the Storm. And let's just talk about Smith, obviously, Harry Grant and Brandon Smith's situation. Very interesting to see what happens there. But I think they'll definitely keep one, and it'll be very vital if they're able to keep both. Well, we've hit the jackpot there. So, so I went on a little bit of a ramble there. But thank you guys for listening, and stay tuned for the last episode of Celebrating the Chance, where we talk about the 2018-2019 Sydney Roosters. Cheers, team.